Well, welcome to the final day of 2021. Um, how's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Grand. Great. Good, great, grand. Uh, it's been a minute. I know we kind of, uh, we've been out of the studio for a little over a month now for, for various reasons. But for those of us joining uh, us today, welcome to Movie Buff Bromance with Bob, Rick, and JR. I'm Bob. I'm Rick. And I'm JR. Yeah, we were kind of intending to do the three Matrix films, uh, the, the main trilogy, and then Resurrections once it came out, but then due to, you know, personal and work stuff, we kind of end up having to call an audible and cover Resurrections, because that just came out, what, um, nine days ago? Yeah. Yep. And we watched Revolutions uh, and then realized that covering that would be less than stellar. It wouldn't be timely. I mean, it's got stuff to say. We'll, we'll get around to it. You know, we'll circle back to it. But, I mean, this one's a bit newer, and uh, it's kind of been on our minds. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, rather than going through, I know with the other movies we cover here, we tend to go beat by beat through the plot, and then kind of go through things as they show up. But for this one, I kind of wanted to take a bit more of a free-form approach, sort of our expectations versus what we got, and kind of reflect on that. So, um, just getting this out of the way before... We get into spoiler territory. If anyone's listening, uh, would you, you know, recommend checking this movie out? Uh, I'll start for me. Like, if it comes your way, check it out. I wouldn't feel obligated to break my my no theater streak to go catch this in theater. And um, I don't feel like it's quite as earth shaking as the first movie, but I, I don't regret having watched it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, I think that. I would definitely recommend it if you've seen um, just the first Matrix movie. Maybe you didn't watch the the sequels. Um, you'll definitely have enough context to to pull it all together. Um, if you haven't seen any of the Matrix movies, though, watch those first. Otherwise, a whole bunch of it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I would say I've seen it twice now, once for personal and once just to review it. And I probably would have watched it twice regardless but i don't know if it it's not a third watch um i would watch it because nostalgia and the matrix is cool um and if you if you are into the matrix you probably were growing up when it came out so you're gonna watch it anyhow um but if you're not into the matrix obviously like jr said it's not gonna make sense so skip it yeah, and for that matter, if you weren't like a fan of the first Matrix movie, this one's not going to change your mind. Right. Definitely not. Maybe. Um, yeah. You know, I th I could see it from, from an aspect of if you didn't take it that seriously to begin with, um, this one definitely does not take the idea of the Matrix seriously, certainly for the first third of the film. Um, mm -hmm. So in, in that light, I guess you might have more fun with it than you did with the other ones that did take themselves very, very seriously. Mm -hmm. True, yeah. I mean, it kind of gives that that weird, almost new nightmare sort of meta-narrative to it, but we'll get mm -hmm. to that in a moment. Um, one of the other things that threw me about this one was the sort of truncated production time. I mean, we got a trailer just a scant couple of months ago, and then the movie comes out, and I'm so, I'm so used to nowadays with Marvel stuff and, and other films coming out, you get a trailer or a teaser, and then it's like a year and a half or a year that you're anticipating this film and building up expectations in your mind. But, I mean, based off the trailer we got just recently, what expectations did you guys have going into this? 
Uh, I'll start with this one. I thought just based on the trailers um, that they were going to really honor all of the work that they put in to tell the story of the, the first Matrix trilogy, including the, the video games that they put out at the time. Um, they did continue the story of that, that first version of the Matrix that we saw uh, in the Matrix Online. In, in those games, Neo's body is gone. Trinity's body is gone as well. They're missing. They told what happened with them here. They told what happened with Morpheus and his death. So I, I, mm -hmm. I kind of expected it to be a continuation of the stories for it to be a new loop of the Matrix. And it definitely met those expectations. Yeah, I, uh, I saw the trailer and you see Neo, great. Trinity, great. Um, I forget her name. Um, Niobe. Um, mm -hmm. You're like, okay. Yeah. Then I saw Pseudo Morpheus, red flag. I saw Pseudo <laughs> Smith, red flag. Um, and then that it was only made by one of the sisters. Um, so I was, I was about 50, 50 seeing the trailer. Um, like I was going to watch it. I was, I've been super excited for it. But my expectations weren't um, weren't high. I just knew I was going to like it because it's a franchise that I enjoy. Yeah, when I saw that trailer, I didn't really have thoughts so much as I had sort of questions. Like I, I would have that level of cautious optimism. It's odd going back to this series and watching. One of the things that struck me about the trailer. Sorry, I'm a little over the place with this one, but. You had Matrix itself, the original film, kind of revolutionize, yeah, revolutionizing a bit of filmmaking and how we see action and how you know camera work goes. And then you had um, Nolan kind of take the ball and run with it a bit in Inception. And then in some of the, like the backdoor sequences of this one, it feels like they're piggybacking off the piggyback in the trailer. So it's sort of like, where are they going to go with it now? Mm. Yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from with that. And I think that you you definitely hit a nail on the head with how The Matrix changed how we view movies and how the the blockbuster grew out, out of them. Um, and kudos for going with the the positive example, because they're, I think that the, the sequels um, had an effect of giving us sort of the Michael Bay summer blockbusters um, year in and year out. And I think that this movie is aware of that and had both of those ideas in motion, how we view the movie from a cinematography aspect and camera work <laughs> and how we view going into summer blockbusters, um, even though obviously it's a wintertime um, Christmas type movie. Well, it's not a Christmas movie, but Christmas time movie. Right. The release kind of lines up with that. And yeah, we have been having kind of bigger pictures getting pushed back into the, uh, you know, December, November mm -hmm. time for I mean, for I, this one, though, sorry. I just have a, a question about the beginning of this, um, the modal where Morpheus is growing. Um, why is Morpheus an agent? Why is Morpheus Agent Smith in the modal? My theory on that one was that because um, Agent Smith and Neo fused themselves with each other through the course of the the first two movies i want to say um that neo still had some of smith's code within him and that part of neo came out in coding this new morpheus 
That was my guess. Oh, I had a slightly different take on that one. I, I um, kind of based off what they said in the film and yeah, based off what they actually said in the film and just things I saw from his personality, I feel like the combination of Morpheus and Smith did help free Neo from the Matrix. So I feel like he kind of hoped putting them together would have a synergistic effect to help him snap out of it like faster, something to bring him back to reality faster. Mm. Ooh, I like yeah. that. Like yeah, those I two energies would play off one another. It's kind of weird because he kind of acts as, you know, this, this quote-unquote new Morpheus is supposed to be a synthesis of Agent Smith and Morpheus. Um, and I'm going to talk about, because for this film, one of the big things that did jump out at me was you feel that loss of Lawrence Fishburne and you feel the loss of Hugo Weaving because this is the first yes. Matrix film that neither of them are in. Um, I think Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, he played Morpheus in this. He was also mm -hmm. really great in that, the new Candyman. He feels like he feels a good deal like Morpheus, despite the fact that he's not Morpheus. He does a better job of like he could play young Morpheus. Um, oh, definitely. Whereas yeah. Jonathan Groff could not play young Hugo Weaving, young Smith. And there is no young Smith, but you get what I'm saying. They're yeah, not. it doesn't feel like it doesn't quite feel like a continuation of the same character with Jonathan Groff Smith, despite the fact that he's supposed to just be, you know, Smith with a facelift and some new memories. Right. Yes. Yeah, so it might be it would have been better to do a Morpheus that was nothing like Morpheus because he's not Morpheus and a Smith who's kind of like Smith because he is Smith. The weird thing I picked that. up on with that, the portrayal of Smith and Jonathan Groff specifically when when Neo goes back into the Matrix um, and he confronts him is he's kind of playing up that tension between the two of them, but it almost plays up, up like a sexual tension, like I'm expecting them to kiss. Ah. Because they've had that kind of connection. They've now been closer that, to each other than he has with Trinity in this new Matrix. Is that the movie or is that, um, is that just uh, something you've been waiting for? <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that on the record, but in this case, I think the performance kind of played into it a bit. So, I mean, overall, yeah, Jonathan Groff doesn't feel right for me as Smith. But would you would you guys have noticed or got the connection that that was Smith had they not played old Hugo Weaving footage during his scenes to cement it that guys, guys, this is Smith. I think that it really would have dawned on me when he went after um, when he went after Neo in the attack on the office building. It when he, he sort of gun. yes, when he grabs a gun and starts shooting at Neo and kills him again, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that I, would have done it. When I rewatched it, it clicked because I was like, "Oh, he doesn't. He never. He didn't know he was Smith um, until." He picked up the gun like he was just as trapped in the matrix as neo but then he picked up the gun and he's like oh yeah <laughs> i fucking hate this guy yeah i'll admit i'll admit that first time around i didn't quite catch that he was supposed to be uh smith until that that scene back in the office and the assault there like i thought when you know when thomas anderson was going to his boss's office he was just kind of picking up on those um, authoritarian, hostile vibes more so than it being a reflection of Smith himself. Oh, yeah, I, gotcha. I just thought of him as like the angry boss 
um, up until the point where he actually starts attempting to kill Neo. Even with the clips, oddly, yeah, just it. Even, like, though, I kinda, even with the, yeah. him having a Smith's face statue in his office. <laughs> yeah, yes, even with all of that. Because for a minute, I I honestly wondered if they were taking it the route of, no, the Matrix really was a simulation. Like what he, what Neo did within the confines of the quote-unquote real world of the first trilogy was just a different simulation and now you've met this jonathan anderson who programmed all of that story for these viewers at home but then that was all too complicated and convoluted even in my head canon and i was like oh wait no 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 they're, they're just using his previous life to torture and dupe him so and it all kind of seemed like what machines would do too you know like to to tease and torture human beings um I don't know. Kind of seems like uh, sadistic and cold. And this, the this way they go sense. about teasing and torturing, torturing him in this sense, psychological mm -hmm. torture. And this matrix is just the only people, flesh and blood, in this matrix are Trinity and Neo. It's not the overall real matrix. This is a, a right, like a, a small matrix just for them. Didn't they show the the pod farm? Uh, they should, well, here's the thing. The Anomalium, I don't know if where, where the two of them are housed. I don't know if that's its own separate thing, because I know they kind of hit that there are warring factions in the machines still. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, if other people have these fields of, you know, human blue pills or copper tops that they just use to generate energy, and then the analyst has his own project on the side. Oh, gotcha. I see what you're saying. I, so I, actually, I, Rick, I, I can understand where you're coming from, because if it is just the the um, Christ, he's not the architect, um, the analyst, the analyst. is the analyst's side project. And he's just using the, the fuel from Neo and Trinity to power whatever the original faction of machines wants. Um, then, yeah, I can I can see how you would see it as those two being the only two actual people in in this simulation of the matrix but oh, on the other I, hand i did you... figure out why i'm wrong though is because that purple-haired girl oh bugs was, mentions being was... a copper top yeah and and she's so you know neo got her out of the matrix so she is another flesh and blood right right she she came out of that very specific one that he was in yeah i think she does a great job in this too playing up bugs i i think her character yeah. was was good like they didn't give her quite as much to do as i kind of hope she'd have in the film mm. yeah um, she is good but you can't when you have neo and you have trinity you can't uh you, you're only a third a second or third tier character no matter how well you do yeah and i didn't want there to be like some passing of the torch happening like did with the the race story arc in the final trilogy of Star Wars films. I, I felt that that was outplayed. And for a movie trilogy that kind of gave us the opposite hero's tale, it would feel very strange for her to have that kind of a role. So I was very happy with who the character was, how she related to the world, and mm -hmm. even that she had um, very, very believable motives throughout all of it. You know, like people in the real world obviously still believe in different deities so people in that real world would still believe in neo um and 
yeah, it, it felt believable and real in in just as much as you know the idea of a simulation can. Right. Yeah, and I I should probably because you mentioned the you know the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy that came out, we should probably get out ahead of uh, stating this is very much it's not in any way shy about it, um, a meta narrative about reboots. Yes, yeah. they yeah. they spend the, the conversation, first conversation. Yeah, the yep. conversation in the office where he's like, "Look, they're gonna make another game. Don't you? Wouldn't you rather be on board than some randos make it?" And that's exactly what this yeah. is. Yeah. And I like appreciated they, that. Yeah. They literally start with retreading the first scene of the first movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would you have know, liked and... this to be. Go ahead, Rick. Sorry. I would have liked that. This is another train car on the train of the Matrix, but I would have preferred if it was a caboose. <laughs> like, this might be an, a, a film where they can continue, whether it's just with Trinity or whatever, but I didn't feel the finality of, we needed another movie, period, stop, we're done. Okay, because if the implication is that, well, we need another movie, it's really said to them, I can imagine, with wink, wink, nudge, nudge, with what the you know um, publishers really mean is, we need another trilogy, <laughs> we need another um, decade-long affair that, we can we can put butts in in theaters or get streaming revenue from right from the public at home ip 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 yeah we're not utilizing our ip to the most and and so yeah if if they were going which is funny because yeah like are you going to corporatize the matrix the, the like they fight against the machines you know each one ends with a rage against the machines you know it's it's all about <laughs> fuck the man whether it's and, or not Right. Yeah. And I appreciated that aspect, too. And it was, you know, it played Rick and I had side conversations about fan service in other properties recently. And mm -hmm. I think that this is fan service done correctly. In that it gives you all of the feelings of the first one and says, yes, I know you're expecting this here right now. However, I'm going to go an opposite way. Yes, we know you're aware because we're aware. Everybody's aware of what this first one means to everybody. Here's mm -hmm. some stuff from that one. Now let us go this route. So I, I can appreciate that they they played to fans' expectations in a positive way, even with it feeling kind of like a clip episode, you know, like a clip show from, from, from TV. Yeah, I felt it. I would call it a love letter to The Matrix. Sure. On the, yeah. On the flip side of that, the love letter versus the marketing side of things. In that beginning modal, they have those shots of agents. That shot of an agent taking someone over in that modal in the beginning. Do you think that was in there specifically so they could put it in the trailer? Yes, because it's such an iconic. Well, I would say both because it's iconic, right? That yeah. looks cool in the first couple. It looks agents. cool now. You gotta have it. You, yeah, I, I really don't know because marketing, marketing and IP or fan service. So, mm -hmm. and fan service gets the attention, you know, people want to go see their familiar characters in ways they're comfortable and aware of. And so, the more that you play to that, yeah, so I could see it being there because, you know, we want to put this in the trailer. But it's kind of cool. I liked the idea of the modals and that um, 
So Neo is building a program within a program, and the the operators and hackers from the real world can find their way into these programs within programs and bring mm-hmm. things out of them. I thought that that was a neat new aspect of the Matrix that I wasn't expecting, and um, it, it came out really really cool because um, it obviously gave them a nice neat little package to put their fan service in to give to us like this modal's a nice neat little box and it's something that these real world people can go into with you the audience and then we can extract ourselves out and tell the story we actually want to tell that's a that's a good point because yeah we are since thomas anderson since neo made the modal we are reminiscing because he is reminiscing yeah yeah he programs his old room and all that yeah all of that fan service makes sense to the story they want to tell but it also gives us a feeling of like, yeah, I remember how fun this was rather than, oh, man, they gave me my favorite character, but they're wrong in this way and that way and the other way, you know? Hmm. Well, following up on that, on, on the modals and the um, the agents and the previous iteration of the Matrix, how do you guys feel about the agents versus the swarm? Swarm is, like you said, it kind of has Inception vibes mm-hmm. because, oh, you're in a dream. Now they're all after you, but you can turn it on. But I I do like how this Matrix is more gaslighting Neo into thinking he's crazy so he doesn't trust reality because he's like, the Matrix is real. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, no, I'm crazy. Never mind. Yeah. So he'll never believe truth shown to him about the matrix because the matrix has been gaslighting him about the matrix not being real and i feel like little blue pills in in a world of being like psychoanalyzed means a hell of a lot more in 2021 than it did back in the late 90s and early aughts the little blue pill could be you know xanax or antidepressants or anything that the the shrink is prescribing you in today's day and age to try and get you to to feel different about the world around you and that was certainly the intention for for neo eating all those blue pills yeah mental health it has a a a lot less stigma now than it Mm -hmm. did so well i mean speaking of um being prescribed speaking of the analyst and neil patrick harris how do you think he worked as sort of a, a primary antagonist in this movie? I liked it. I wasn't expecting the switch at all. Um, I expected him to just be a cl- complicit program that had a job within the Matrix and was making sure it was another system of control, right? I didn't yeah. imagine him being this massive, more sadistic version of the architect. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they could have cast anybody better to play this role um, yeah he does great and he's wearing um blue glasses which i don't know if it is yeah it's got to be a little mm-hmm. is that on the nose or is that too on the nose right i thought it was too on the nose honestly with the blue pills and everything because that yeah i don't know maybe all right cool i'm having a different um sort of idea now maybe they were trying to be too on the nose with it to sort of lull you into the idea that he's just a program just like any of the other ones trying to control rather than he is the program controlling all of this version of the matrix so he was sort of like a blue pill in human form rather than you know the one pulling the strings yeah blue pilled red herring okay 
I mean, oh. I did like him a lot in this. And you mentioned this Matrix being more about gaslighting and him having a sort of a softer approach. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this when we were talking Reloaded about programs and, and the ones specifically engaging each other on the same terms time after time. And it's just a fist fight. I loved how the analyst kind of played with the mental side of Neo. Because if you have someone who's the one, someone who can stop bullets, you take away their faith in themselves and how they perceive reality. And that's your in. Right. I agree. Yeah, and you're you were, you know, on the nose with why that version of the Matrix failed. And it was because they tried to match obviously they're gonna try and match humanity with fists and explosions and the way that humanity tries to match them. Neo yeah. thought a different way than the rest of humanity and the machines weren't prepared for this variable. And now all of a sudden along comes a machine that recognizes that variable and is able to respond to it while in the simulation so yeah you were you were a hundred percent right that you know if you wanted to control the one why didn't you control his ability to stop time and you're right do it by 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 making him stop believing in himself yeah he loses his powers because he doesn't believe that he ever had powers so Mm mm-hmm no, Did I mean, we like term... that? Oh, go ahead. What's up? Oh no, I was gonna go off on a way tangent. So what? Do you, what? What's up? Oh, uh, just I know this this podcast. We love a mon- a good montage. Did you like the <laughs> the pills? The the Alice montage where they're all like Matrix effed with your head, like just him in his house looking at pills, dancing around, meetings, 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 and I think you know they're saying that's how meetings in Hollywood are like matrix it was new and it was fresh and that's what i want to think about when thinking about this reboot yeah i you know i loved that montage i loved how tongue-in-cheek it was i loved how just massively cynical it was about like you said and i don't think it's just about meetings in in hollywood i think it's also meetings in all big business you know they all have their pr firms that are trying to spin something and we can go as far back in my memory as like coca-cola classic being a pr spinoff of a better flight you know like what made coca-cola so great back that you know so it it's been going on for a long time and i'm glad that there was somebody who approached it in a a gentleman there's no fighting in the war room sort of fashion you know (laughs) like yeah Yeah. does does that speak to either the out of touchness or soullessness of uh companies because both this movie is basically Hi, we're going to make a movie about how fucked up you guys are. Like, yes. Will, will it make yep. money? Great. Or, or they <laughs> yes. just don't see it. The people, the creators <laughs> are like, we're making a movie like this. And the executive is like, ha, those executives are so out of touch. Not like us. Am I right, Mr. So-and-so? Well, see, I think you're starting to touch on something that I adored about this movie. And I don't think it's something that people will appreciate. It's how damn campy it is. There are moments, particularly when they bring back the Merovingian, where uh, it yeah. feels you you might like it a little more after that it feels like uh the the big culminating fight scene in 1966 the batman or batman the movie where all of the villains are there it's like in a warehouse or something and then the villains turn on one another and start fighting each other if memory serves and it just felt like this ridiculous campy fight in that world and and i kind of enjoyed it it felt fun and and it did actually feel fresh 
and I don't want to use one of those dang keywords, but there it is. And I thought that it was super campy and made fun of itself enough to kind of get away with it. Well, if you're bringing up the Merovingian, I just got to say, I couldn't understand a single thing he was saying because he was speaking (laughs) fast and mumbly. And I think the second time I heard that his last line is something about uh, uh, um, a spinoff. Yes. Yeah, it was. He says, like, yeah. We're, I'm going to make all my own spinoff or something. But I don't know if I like that <laughs> super cool, calm, suave Merovingian turning into a trash man like Danny DeVito. Yeah, he was wearing trash, just spouting complete nonsense no, about, how, everything, about how bad everything is nowadays and how things used to be so, so great when he was younger. Yes, yes. It makes perfect sense because he's a guy who was trapped in the past in previous versions of The Matrix. And yeah. now he's been exiled or excuse me. No, he was in exile. All of the exiles have been destroyed. So this is a guy who has no place to go anymore. He's a hobo. So he turns into a trash man reminiscing about the time when when he was rich and famous. Wait, and is he a like, boomer? What? Is he a boomer in that? <laughs> yes, he's totally a boomer. <laughs> he he used to set the status quo, set the rules himself, and now he has to adapt to a changing world. You can't even sexually assault a woman anymore. What kind of matrix is this? He's got that kind of energy, yeah. Yes, he does. Yes. He can't make his rape anymore. Even... Exactly, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And it, it does make sense that the Merovingian would become this, this trash hobo jerk. Oh, as I soon as you like, challenge him, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And in that in that um in that fight scene, one of the key trailer lines, the the one that got Bob in on it, where he's like, I still know Kung Fu. My only yeah. gripe with that is they bury the line under the score mm-hmm. and they don't that should have been like a pinpoint like zoom in loud whoa i still know kung fu the score should have crescendoed after he said that instead of already being oh yeah i still know kung fu yeah you know because i don't know would it have been you know too over the top nothing for this movie top for this i was gonna say (laughs) no we're just talking about the the trash of (laughs) (laughs) but i mean talking about you know, I still know Kung Fu and the action sequences. Another loss I felt in this movie is the fact that they didn't have uh, Yuan Wu Ping doing the fight choreography. Yeah, Agreed. I feel like a, um, like a Matrix fight. And a lot of the things Neo did, which is pointed out to me by uh, Screen Rant video, um, <laughs> it's just him pushing. Yeah, things. force pushing things. Yeah, I force push, but you're Neo. You can kick ass. Why I can force push everything? See, I want to complain old. about that, but if if I complain about that, then someone's going to get after me for what I said in the last movie about how he just keeps punching his problems. Because <laughs> yeah, he tries to say that he's done fighting, but he's still in these scenes where like that's that's how he's engaged. He doesn't have access to his full plethora of abilities as the one like he's still kind of forced to be on that level to some degree right i just think the reality of movie making now it's like i watch this and i think oh they only had this much time to film because because john wick as right. neo is here at least thank god he committed enough we have a shaved head true in the mix, like <laughs> If if they wouldn't have done that, I would have been been like, come on, what his hair was growing. 
So at least he committed for that. But I would have liked a short-haired Neo, not John Wick Neo. But whatever. Yeah, I can feel that. It will, I mean, and, and like I said about the fight scenes, they feel a bit more like modern fight scenes. Not quite as bad as something like a Taken with too many quick cuts and close-up shots. But mm-hmm. a lot of the times during action, so you can consider fight scenes, I didn't feel like I had a real sense of the direction the fight was going in. Um, and there's only one exceptionally standout moment in a fight for me, and that is during um, Neo Spar against New Morpheus. And that's only because New Morpheus does my favorite move in all of martial arts. It's a um, it's a punch in, in Hungar. It's a double punch. I think the name translates to um, Monk Summons Corpse, but like you charge forward and just put your fist out there like a rhino charging something. Both of them mm. at the same time. Yeah, not yeah, in yeah. succession, but at once. Okay. No, one on top of the other two. We're not we're not talking horizontal punches. These are vertical. It just looks so awesome on film. It does. I just didn't. But yeah, apart from that, the action sequ- action sequences. Um, I don't know. So They're all right. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say on. the least memorable part of this one were the the action fight scenes. Mm-hmm. But as I get older, I don't know if, it, if that's the reason. But when I watch movies like this, I'm like, story, story, story. And then there's like a huge action set piece. And I'm like, all right, I could take a quick pee. Like, I don't know. Like, that's before I would wait for a lull with conversations. Mm. And I'd be like, oh, but now I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to fight. And ultimately, you know, he's going to have the upper hand, but then he's going to lose it and then win and da da da. Okay, I, I know where this is going. It doesn't um, it doesn't move the story. It is fun to look at, but mm-hmm. as far as what's going on in the movie, you're just like, okay, someone's gonna win. So if I know who wins, I'm not gonna be lost. So right, and I I'd agree it. that as an that's probably more of an adult thing. Yeah, I look forward more to the lull where the bread and butter of the movie is. You know, yeah. it's it's not when stuff's blowing up. It's it's when the plot line is moving along. Yeah, yeah this no, film I, I, I mm-hmm. no go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like this film could do with like half as many action sequences. Yeah, and maybe they might be more memorable then. Better, yeah. but not as many. Right. Because I didn't, the first, the first in a movie and maybe the second movie, you come out of watching that and you're fucking punching and kicking everything you see for the next yeah. two days. But <laughs> yeah, right. This movie, you come out of it and yeah, maybe it's just because I'm old, but I'm just like, what is life, man? Like I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna be a ninja or something. But back then, dude, I was kicking ass. I you couldn't even uh, talk to me the, the wrong way two days after this <laughs> oh, movie. Right? No, I know, I know kung, kung fu. fu. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all knew kung fu for that. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we were all telling each other to come here with our fingers. Right. And now, yeah, now we're all we're all tr- trying to fly. Going. Nah, that's not gonna happen. But flying is <laughs> right <getting> up quickly. <laughs> So, I, I felt like the stakes in this one also were like because we still have these really high up like action sequences in terms of intensity. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like the stakes were a little lower in this one. Yeah. Yes. Well, because they already died. saved the world. Yeah, they died and saved the world and came back. You know, yeah. like what else can I do? So right. here's a question: Since we're jumping all over, um, yeah, they rebuilt their bodies so are they even 
them. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes, they rebuilt their bodies, and this is also a uh, an old philosophical. Um, oh, the ship of Theseus. Yeah, the ship of Theseus. Thank you. We're doing um, the ship of Theseus also, here. All right, I didn't absolutely. think about the ship of Theseus. Yeah. No, and and I I'm glad that Rick brought this up because this is something that's kind of been on my mind through um, through other what. Uh, in WandaVision, they do this shit. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say a lot of the media that I've actually been consuming lately has Ship of Theseus breakdowns in it. And I felt it here as well. And you're right. Are they the same persons or are they new? Are they the original people? I would argue that, yes, they are, because um, Neo obviously fused with the machines at at the end of of the third movie and he's able to to go in and out well actually no he fuses the machines at the end of the first one but um when he did so with smith but he's able to go in and out of the code world and i would imagine that they could make a direct copy of him from that code brain memories and all like they did Mm, so i would say that this one yes is the same neo even if it's not the same container I could see. Yeah, tracks with me. Um, I guess we 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 haven't talked much about Trinity within the Matrix. Mm-hmm. So how did we like? Um, it took me a minute to realize like we did see him in the mirror as not him. It took me until she was in the diner. Trinity, uh, they mm-hmm. sat down and in her reflection on the table, I think it is, is somebody else. And then I was like, oh, okay, they don't look like each other, which is why they don't, re- she doesn't recognize herself in the Matrix. And he, you know, doesn't recognize her as Trinity, just some Tiff lady that he's drawn to because they don't look like themselves. I'm going to go full head up my ass here with this discussion. And I apologize in advance um, for the beauty and how Trinity was trapped versus how Neo was trapped. They're both stuck in very traditional like heteronormative gender roles Mm -hmm. neo is very much trapped by his career the expectations of his peers and this sense to kind of feel like he has more control of his life whereas trinity is trapped by her family the role of being a mother despite stating that she wasn't entirely sure if she actually wanted a family or if she just thought she did because she was raised to believe she did Uh, and her husband's name says it all yeah, he's a Chad. Yeah. Come on, Tiff. We gotta, we gotta go. Yeah. Although that started to get a little bit ridiculous too. Whenever, and whenever they get too close, some, some that would come up with the family, and it was sort of like, like in season two of The Good Place, where they're trying to trick Eleanor, and like there's this, this demon pretending to be her boyfriend, and they're like, okay, well, whenever she gets too deep with conversation, see, so say you got to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And that kind of fe- right. it kind of felt sitcommy whenever she get too close to Neo or talk about something. It's like, oh, her husband shows up, or oh, there's a phone call, or a kid stuck a Lego up his nose. But it was pretty heavy-handed with the the conversation of men holding women back because Neil Patrick Harris near the end has the um, can't you get a hold of your woman or something like that? Yes, when he's talking about, and it's like. Yeah, some people are like that, but that that was a little yeah. ham-fisted. Of, of, whoa, whoa, you better check your bitch, Neo. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah, it, it yeah that part 
with a program who's, who's supposed to be that this kind of soft approach acting like that, it did feel a little galling. Um, it's it's odd to think that there'd be a program who, who has inbuilt misogyny as a feature, but I mean, here we are. Yeah. Did they kind of have to, though, because of the red pill being um, taken up by that kind of person? Did they have to kind of try to take the red pill back by saying, yeah, we're the Matrix. We invented the whole red pill, blue pill thing, but um, we actually don't like assholes. Whereas yeah. you guys use it to become an asshole. Yeah, it is. It is kind of like the, um, you know, the last time Wachowski's left any sort of wiggle room, you know, we saw where people try to fill the blanks in their own, their own ideas. So, yeah, I kind of feel like you did have to be a little heavy-handed with with, with a bit of it just to kind of clear up that, um, that gray area. Mm-hmm. I th- I thought that Tiffany was an interesting character. Um, I thought that you're right. It was very cheap that every time she'd get too close to Neo, there would be something that pulled her away. And Rick, you had mentioned um, in other conversations how you thought it was odd that a program would lead Neo directly to Trinity. But I thought that that was exactly the kind of thing that they would do to dangle it in front of his face, to keep him creating this Matrix 4 game. Yeah, to kind of uh, a carrot and a stick, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so it at least gives him some... It puts his muse right in front of him, gives him some motivation, uh, obviously made him uncomfortable. It's another exercising control over Neo that I I would imagine that the machines would want to do. So, And I I thought Tiffany was an interesting character. I've long wondered what Trinity was like before she was red pilled in the original trilogy i don't think that this is it but it was interesting something yeah yeah it was cool that she you know she was drawn to motorcycles still um obviously still grounded in the things that made trinity a badass in in the first trilogy and she was kind of the hero of this one when she flies away that's one thing that threw me because this film it did kind of confirm what we were saying previously about them being the two so much as it is the one mm-hmm. yeah. i wish we had more from trinity's point of view absolutely because it is oh. very much you see like she's a large focus of the story but it feels like we should have more of her story yeah and... it does but i i think that there's there's kind of um there's entertainment precedence for not going with trinity as the the main protagonist of this one and and it would be the bait and switch in metal gear solid 2 where you expect to play as solid snake and end up playing as raiden and i think that the the um that the the fanboy backlash in this day and age is way way louder and way way bigger and I feel like so much of this series is wrapped up into video game culture that it's really hard to talk about its effects without also talking about, you know, how video games have have molded movies, especially this one. True. You don't think that if they would have had... So this movie, Neo, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, Trinity is at the top. So I think if, if the movie was Trinity, from her point of view has to save neo but then you'd have neo on the top again at the end so i guess yeah in this room you have three out of three dentists approve this toothbrush right but 
in a larger sampling, it you know it it wouldn't be as popular as it as the idea is between us. I don't think. Well, I don't. I don't mean for the whole movie. I just mean I wish we had a bit more from her perspective. Because, mm. I mean, even um, even the original Matrix, you had a scene from Cipher's perspective. True. Oh yeah, just even one right scene. Right. Like Something even her to... just thinking about Neo, or her maybe her playing the game at home, like she stated. Oh right, yeah. I can I can definitely see where you're going with this. She's never on screen without serving some purpose to Neo himself. Yeah, it, as much yeah. as. As much as this film is about their relationship and how they complete each other, um, it would have been, I think it would have been fulfilling to see her character as an individual character. And you can kind of yeah. see that that longing in her. I feel you. I thought so... you were saying you wanted to see her as the protagonist. My bad. Either or. Oh, I mean, but... that still wouldn't be bad. But yeah, I feel like for as much as this is their story, she kind of feels a bit more like an object than a subject in some of it. Yes, Totally. What's that movie trope that's uh, a woman can't be on screen unless she's talking about a boy or some shit? Are you talking about the inverse of the Bechdel test? Yeah, like they're trying to do a girl power um, empowerment movie here, but Trinity only exists as an object of desire or, you know, love, which is better than a physical desire, but it's still that's my girl. I got to save her. Yeah, and, and they didn't they accomplished it but they didn't like cuz she's not a person in this she's just i feel like um i feel like the film tried to like i feel like the film was kind of aware of that and tried to combat it by trying to hype up that it's her choice ultimately but so much of the film was leading up to her choice so much of the film was neo saying hey we have to get her out of there and even the film itself tells you that the choice is meaningless because you've already made it right in the first so, movie she's the yeah. one who gets him so i guess they couldn't i would have liked to have seen maybe you know neo's getting into it he's overwhelmed and then trinity kind of busts out herself and comes and saves the day and then takes neo you know just something to where she is an actual force where she has agency because at the end it's like oh yeah she can fly and you're like oh cool but the, but the it was neo's idea to jump to yeah. Like she could fly, but it was Neo's idea to jump. Yeah, she just happened to have that. Although I did I did really like the idea of them hot swapping Trinity out of the Matrix using bugs. Like back in the day when you'd try to play an out of region PS1 game. <laughs> like and you'd hot swap the, the disc. Yes. Right. You'd have yeah. to like hold your finger on like the port thing so it thought that it was closed and you'd reload up a a US region disc and then once it started you'd swap them out. Oh, speaking of um new technologies in the world um when bug is in the matrix that guy that's talking to her he's not jacked in but is that just to show that that's who she's talking to or can he project himself not physically but just his i was curious about that myself because i don't know See, if he's just there in voice but the visuals for us or if he's there in person but not physically for most of the film of me watching it the first time, I did kind of feel like it was just to represent he was there. However, when they're in that modal in the beginning, Bugs does say your projection's breaking up. Oh, and you yeah. kind of see his image flicker. So All I don't right. know if he's only seeable, only viewable to freed minds, which would make the most sense because they're on the same network, so to speak. Um, mm. 
because I don't think they can be fully jacked in. I think a lot of, not necessarily all of them, but a lot of operators don't have the ports. Oh, and that's his way of, of getting into the matrix only. Yeah. Right, like he has a local area connection to it, like an intranet. He's connected to an intranet within the matrix that allows him to be seen by other people who are pulled out, as Bob said. Hmm. Right. Oh, and also I wanted to hit on the, the, the orange and blueness of the matrix. It was a, a big thing. Uh, I mean, cinematically, the original films had this sort of green look to them. I mean, as we all know. Mm-hmm. And then after that, films did start taking on a color correction where things were looking more orange and blue instead of mm-hmm. being more naturally color corrected. I noticed in the Matrix sequences in this film, it's very much orange and blue also. Yeah, we're we're done with the um, the pea green and gray and black of old. But we're also done with the black leather. Now everyone's colorful and cyberpunky instead of, you know, super Matrixy. <laughs> yep. I guess fashion changes, so everyone was just like, "This is what's cool," and then now they're like, "No, Grandpa, we're all about <laughs> we're all about tight pants and colors now." That's right. I did, I did love Bugs' sunglasses, though. Why did she yeah. give them to to Neo Neo Pseudo Morpheus though when he was um, tripping out after he took the red pill? I didn't get that. It was something to do with. Um his eyes the wasn't it extraction process i thought it was just one of those like throw them shades on so my coworkers don't know i'm high situations oh okay <laughs> what's that or maybe it was just to give him something to quickly focus on to distract him for a quick sec was it a weekend at bernie's gig <laughs> oh the... <laughs> he's fine he's alive let's go agents he's good right see you just can't see his eyes because he's got sunglasses on so uh, the one thing we haven't mentioned is io oh yeah the actual thing. And there's one the, glare. The human machine see, city. Uh, Niobe yeah. as an old lady. But then when they jack into that well to talk to the train station girl, Niobe's still old. And I think that you could have just used regular Jada Pinkett. Because she would have been like, no, I'm in the I'm in I'm in a projection. I'm not gonna be old. I want to be my young self again. If that's her digital self image. Yeah. I mean, maybe she just sees herself as old now, but I, I agree with you. They could have saved themselves the hassle on that one. It is pretty good old age makeup. Slash CGI slash practical, I think. I thought it, I thought it looked good. I like the idea yeah. of machines and humans working together actively in a city. I just feel like due to um, filming restrictions, due to you know the pandemic and everything going on, the city feels large but empty. Yes. Yeah. yeah it felt kind of like an SNL sketch about the Matrix Resurrections in the city of Io. Totally. It, a very open world video game where it stretches on for miles and miles, but there's no one to be seen. Because there's only those like eight op- operators or the eight people. And, they're like, and they, they oh, really tr- they're bad. There's yeah. no like council. That's the thing. For as much as um, for as much BS or whatever as I give to Zion in the original trilogy, it did kind of give you that level of world building where you had a council, you had a military, mm-hmm. uh, you had these petitioners for Neo and stuff. So you kind of did feel a bit bigger. It was populated. Yeah. And then we have Io, which you have – We the only people we see are people who are relevant to the plot. Right. We don't see extras there. Um, it made the city, like I said, feel a bit empty. I mean, but I do like that they're 
working on you know making strawberries and stuff instead of war machines yeah yeah they're trying to advance human life yeah yeah rather than try and blow up their their adversary right and they're working together it did it strike anyone else as odd that niobe didn't seem the least bit interested in talking to the new morpheus yeah not at all and (laughs) like like she knows I don't know. Maybe she knows that nothing can not. bring Morpheus back, and it's not Morpheus, right? Did we like the technology? Because they didn't want to say nanotechnology, so they said something about magnetic electrical bullshit. But it's nanotech. But it looked it looked cool. It threw me off in one scene, and I don't want to go all cinema sins on this one or try to like ding. Oh no, this this is a plot hole because it's not a it's not a plot hole. It's just, it bothered me when they were showing Morpheus trying to make that jump between Neo's pod and Trinity's pod. And I'm like, why does gravity affect him? Yeah, he's just... He a... could just stretch his hand over and reconfigure on that side. Yeah. yeah he's That's just what I was thinking. Suspended orbs. Yeah. Make, he's, make he's yourself projected. into a bridge with a face on it. And oh, God. It. Yeah, it's like now the I've bridge, got it. But the morph bridge. Morph bridge. Okay, that may have cheapened the scene a bit. But you get <laughs> what I mean. Right. You know, I I really appreciated that um, they wrapped up why Sati was so important. Because Bob, I yeah. think it was you that that noted. You know, she, we t- we tell, or excuse me, they tell her us that she is important. We know that she is. Obviously, there's something going on. But what is it? And mm-hmm. yeah, we got to find out the resolution to that story, which was interesting. And my mind even went to her and her parents when they mentioned that all of the exiles were deleted. Yeah, they're all oh, purged. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What happened? What happened to Sati and her parents? Obviously, her mom didn't really want to help Neo, but her dad seemed like a, a pretty alright dude. Mm-hmm. I like that payoff. It's one of the few things that I feel like tied this movie to to Reloaded and, and Revolutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I did not get a follow up on, and again, I might sound hypocritical, but where's the kid? Yeah, I, I was expecting him to show up in IO actually. Not me, because I thought he was I, annoying in the other movies. Yeah, he was I don't annoying, know if I, sure, but I don't know if I wanted to see him, but I expected him to to show I up. I expected a, a Senator Jar Jar thing to happen, where he just crossed in the background and like, all right, well, now we know what happened. Right, or like he'd show up to the to Morph or to Neo and be like, oh my god, it's you again. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely more his style. The war is still over. <laughs> you saved us that's all. A, Morpheus was right. You know, we buried his body. We've got a statue for him. I forget yeah, was. kid was tone deaf. <laughs> I think it was a video that I watched that was like, they were like, yeah, Morpheus, da-da-da-da, war with the machines. They warred with each other. And someone is like, oh, that'd be a fun movie to see, wouldn't it? Anyway, so. <laughs> right. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know about movies that jump far ahead and then tell you about cool shit that happened previously. Yeah, like they want to sell you a Rogue One. They're I like, mean, I would think that, but then it, then we saw the Clone Wars. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, tough. maybe they can't live up to it. Yeah. Hey, quick quick vibe check for everybody else who watched the movie. Did the entire crew of the Nema sign survive? It seemed like it. We didn't lose anyone? They're all court martialed. Well, yeah, they all got a finger wagging by that angry chief. I mean, the general. Yeah. We'll take your gun and your badge. Yeah. <laughs> Dang rogue cops. 
Give me your neck port. Wait, how? Give it. Oh, yeah. It is odd because despite the talk about them saying like, "Oh, they're gonna kill us all," right? No. The the crew of the they last ship all died, and then yeah, they all survived. Wait a minute, Bob. Yeah, back back to your guys's IO is is barren. Yep. It's been sixty years. They have orgies at least every month. There should be like not not even twenty people. We should have saw thousands of people. You're right. I'm just thinking. well. I think Bob might have hit it, and in that it could be a COVID constraint. So, are we going to see Lucas style digitally enhanced? Matrix Resurrections. Maybe? Yeah, people walking around in the background, <laughs> oh, digitally added. Throwing a couple stormtroopers on dubacks. <laughs> That's them, absolutely right. Just I want because. Them to be, so, Niobe and Neo are talking on like a precipice thing, and they're looking down. And all of a sudden, in like one quarter of the screen, there's like flashing lights and stuff. And then mm -hmm. they don't say anything, and it's all. And then she's like, "Well." I've got to get to the orgy party and she walks away and that's where she's going. Cause life still happens with just cause Neo's there. They need to have their people. I don't know. Or even, even like I've Flesh talked to out. the, I've talked to the council about you coming back or something to indicate that there's a bigger picture. I've made terrain pieces with more story backstory than <laughs> I <has>. yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they, they tried, but yeah, you know, I think that overall, this movie was a fun watching experience. It felt like The Matrix, but it also felt like the modern commodification of everything. And it's very aware of that fact. And we pointed mm -hmm. to the to the montage, Go Ask Alice, of, of it poking fun at the whole idea of making a product out of everything. And That's something I, I wanted to. I wanted to go back to that that focus group idea. Mm -hmm. um, I've read some some takes on this movie, a good sea of bad takes, and mm -hmm. a lot of people seem to be taking from it like, oh, they're saying that all the stuff that that was brought up in this scene is a ridiculous way to read it, like the crypto fascism. That's not right because it's an idiot saying it. It's like no, the big takeaway for that scene is for how much people are talking about what the Matrix is about. The one person who's not saying anything is Neo. the one. Yeah, exactly. The one who lived it, the one who in this narrative created it, he's being told by executives what his story is about. Yes. And it was his story all along, whether he programmed it as a video game or he lived it in the first iteration. And I thought that there might have been some self-revelation going on from Lana Wachowski there or Wachowski in in how she might have had all of these meetings with Warner Brothers and HBO executives of what they wanted to see out of this new movie, and they were just telling her what her original story was all about, rather than the creator. And I really, I appreciate that it was bold enough, and they were brave enough to try and and stick their middle finger up at the system. But this just feels like a product. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm I'm bored with consuming things that have just felt like distilled products of of things that were once fun and fresh and new. Because shouldn't we have this era's fun and fresh and new rather than 
this era's spin on last era's fun and fresh and new. And that just feels like what everything is these days. Well, all they want is they want a sure thing. All the great movies that we remember, including The Matrix, including all this, were mid to low budgets that did great because they swung for the fences. And now they're just like, hey, we want to make a movie. Okay, how are you going to get asses and seats? Um, We're going to tell a good story. Eh, Not good enough. Who's going to be in it? Um, Well, just the best people for the role. Mm, Don't know that name. Uh, Yeah. It seems like that's the decision process. Mm -hmm. It is. It does feel a lot like that in in terms of even like kind of relating to like the disappearance of the middle class films are kind of undergoing a similar thing where it's either going to be an indie film and an RCA 24 film, or it's a Disney Marvel movie. Like those are the choices we have. Like we're not seeing these, these newer stories in theater. That's exactly what I was talking about. It would be great if our kids could play with their own toys instead of us making them play with our toys. Yes. And I feel like that's kind of a, a succinct enough wrap up here. I did kind of want to hit on that that end credit song they went with. Um, I respect what they were going for, but it did not land for me. Did you just not like the cover, or did you want them to go a different route? I didn't like the cover of the song. That was kind of my, my thing about it. Like, I like what they were going with. I feel like maybe it wasn't the right band, but I'm actually not familiar with who did that cover and I'm trying to search the, the uh, credits right now, but it might not be the best spot for that. Cause these are some long credits. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, they got a lot of digital animators. I think I think Rick just dropped you to battery, but we can kind of carry on the last bit, I think, without him. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't mind the um Rage Against the Machine cover. Um it it's a super iconic um Oh, okay. That was brass against. So hmm. sort of a um a meme, a YouTube meme band. And I'm not trying to be rude or anything like that. Um, I've That's seen just their niche. Yes, yeah, I've I've seen them do um, different covers of Rage Against the Machine songs in the past with like brass arrangements. I wouldn't say they go as far as to like make Rage songs into ska songs, but they're Rage songs with brass arrangements. And it's yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, weird choice for for the cover of this one. You could have gone with somebody. Um, you could have gone with somebody a little more angry, <laughs> right? But I don't think I don't think it was really that kind of movie for it. It it I, I recognized it immediately as a cover of Wake Up. I was kind of like, okay, cool. They're they're nodding to the uh, to the old movie. Yeah, and I respected them doing the cover and them having an, you know a singer who's not a male and sort of the subversion there. Mm-hmm. Um, in concept, I liked it. I just didn't like the song itself. I could go on for much longer about this podcast <laughs> is than than we have time for about Rage Against the Machine and yeah, yeah I, I I don't mind it's it's a cover of a Rage song I've heard a bunch of them <laughs> that's fair well um is there anything else you wanted to hit on before we uh, call it on this one no I just thought it was a fun romp through our expectations of what um, movies are of what reboots are of what mm-hmm. entertainment is I thought it was 
very very self-reflective and in that note i thought it was good yeah i don't think there was any need for this movie to be made though no it feels like this movie had it had heart but it didn't mm-hmm. have a point right totally uh and that's not a crime in as much as no film needs right. to be made yeah that's uh, true to entertain us you know and did it entertain us yes so then yeah it, it should exist it's odd i liked it better than i liked revolutions but i feel like if i were going to go back to watch one again i'm more likely to watch revolutions again than resurrections i think i liked this one the least out of all of them mm-hmm. it just didn't really I, I thought it was like i said i just keep saying it was fun because that's kind of all that it was supposed to be i feel like and we yeah. don't need another massive breakdown of the opposite of the hero's journey to to tell another tale you know maybe the Wachowskis feel that same way because it, like you said, it has heart, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel like it has a point. It feels kind of like they just came back and they wanted to give Neo and Trinity a happier ending than dying alone in the machine city. Yeah. And to me, I'm glad they have that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, maybe there's, there's more to it than, than just wanting to give them a happier ending. Maybe there is another reason for, for a trilogy maybe there is a better way to wrap this up for everyone i feel like this is the american cinema response to the the evangelion rebuild movies okay <laughs> yeah and i really feel like um the first matrix was american cinema's response to evangelion mm-hmm. and that's that's about as succinct as i'll make my thoughts on the matrix Fair. Uh, I think I think Rick's opinion is probably going to align pretty similar to ours. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. Like, not like a complete waste of time, but on the other hand, it's not a movie that's going to be maybe sticking with you for too much longer. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we're going to call it here. I mean, we might come back with Revolutions next time or maybe something else on our end. We'll see what, what comes up and if our schedules can line up a bit better. Yeah. See, I, I have some fun things to, to say about uh, revolutions and I think about entertainment as a whole and I, I like doing it in in this format right here a little more than the one we were trying previously so yeah I think that might be the way to go going forward oh and this is a good good as time as any to get this out of the way the the term movie buff in our name is I think very much tongue-in-cheek because totally <laughs> we we haven't gone to film school we, no. we're just some some people who've watched a lot of movies in our day and we mm-hmm. just bullshit about them you know because I mean what do we know yeah, I genuinely like Citizen Kane, yeah. but that doesn't that doesn't make me a cinematographer or anybody. You know, my favorite movie of all time might be 2001, but I'm not going to give you a high profile of what's it all about. You know, that ain't me. Oh, that ain't you definitely. either. Definitely. Do I love The Shining? Yes. Yes. A- am I pretentious about it? Yes. That's just a coincidence, though. Maybe one day we can have a fun conversation about how we don't get Christopher Nolan without Stanley Kubrick. Ooh, that's a rabbit hole for another day. <laughs> well, but that's about I mean, as movie buff as we'll get. That's it. We made it through another year of movie buff romance. Uh, hope everyone has a good 2022. Hope it goes better than 2021. Uh, I will year. sign off. Uh, happy New Year to everybody listening and everyone here. Uh, for movie buff romance, I'm Bob, and I'll sign off for Rick as well. And I'm JR. Have yourself a good one. Bye.